So let's go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 13. And while you're going there, I'll just give you some background and information about this chapter. Um, Matthew chapter 13 is all about the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's in this section of the Gospel of Matthew, Christ is telling parables to a bunch of people in front of the sea so that he can explain to them the kingdom of heaven. In verses 10 through 17, he says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And so he's just saying in this part of Matthew, I'm telling these parables to them so that you guys can fully understand the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, and also so that the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that many will hear but not understand because of the dead hearts of some people. And so looking at this, we have to ask ourselves before we even get into this text, what is the kingdom of heaven? Um, it's a phrase used only in the book of Matthew, and really it's just a euphemism for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and so we're just talking here about the sphere of God's rule over the hearts of believers. Luke 17, 20-21 says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It is within people's hearts, where Christ reigns. And um, so that's how we see this mystery form of the kingdom. He rules through the church now in our hearts. It's not something visible like they expected before um, coming of Christ, because like David was promised that his heir would have a kingdom, and so they expected this earthly kingdom, but that wasn't here now. It's just this mystery form ruling in our hearts, in the church. And I'm going to turn the page. And then we also have to ask, why is he talking about the kingdom? What's so important about it? Because... Okay. Sorry. So, we want to know, what's his point in talking so much about the kingdom? Because what we hear so often in Christianity Day is just repent, be saved, and go to heaven. So we need to know about heaven a bit. And he wants us to know even about this mystery form. Um, earlier in Matthew, in chapter 4, verse 17, he's, um, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And later in verse 23, it says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And it also says that in Mark about the um, beginning of his ministry that he is, that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand and repent and believe in the gospel. So from the beginning of his ministry, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's very important to his ministry. And that's where we get to our text. We're starting in verse 24 and we'll go to verse 30. 
So follow along with me as I read. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So the first thing we see is in verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So that he's comparing the kingdom of heaven to a field. And in this field, a man is sowing good seed. So, who's this man and why, what's so important about this seed? Luckily for you guys and for me as well, if you look at verse 36, verses 36 through 43, Jesus explains this parable. So we could just look at that and learn what he's talking about. It makes it really easy to understand this parable. Starting in verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. <coughs> so we already know that the kingdom of heaven is a field because he explained that in the parable. And then he says the man who sowed the good seed is the son of man. It is Christ. He sows good seed. So we know from that that the sower of salvation then is Christ. He sows seeds. He determines who is a son of the kingdom. Because it says in verse 38 that the field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. So he's sowing these good seeds. They're the sons of the kingdom. Those are the ones who belong in the kingdom. Going on. Verse 25. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So already, after just one sentence, something went wrong in the kingdom. While his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So an enemy comes along and scatters weed throughout the, weed, excuse me, throughout the field. Um, and we have to ask, what are these weeds? These weeds are the tares. If you heard this parable before, sometimes it's called the parable of the tares. Tares and weeds are the same thing. And in my version, it's just weeds. It never says the word tares. Another name for it is also darnel. It's a very poisonous weed that closely resembles wheat until the head matures. So as it's growing, it just looks like this big field of wheat, but actually there's weeds scattered throughout the entire field. And if you sow it, in, in that time, if you sowed it among someone's field, it could ruin their livelihood. You have all these poisonous weeds growing, and it kind of just ruins the harvest because there's all these weeds you have to deal with. And we um, can look at verses 38 and 39 and learn who these weeds and who the enemy is. In verse 38, it says that the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And in verse 39, it says the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So in this parable, the devil comes into the kingdom in this world and scatters in his sons, followers of him, even if they don't say they follow him, if they're not following Christ, they aren't following Christ, and then they're sons of the evil one. 
And it also says that they're among the wheat. So we know that the field is the world because he said that, and we know that they're among them. So they're in the world, but they're also among the wheat. They're in the churches. There are people in the church that aren't believers. Some of them then know the gospel, yet they reject Christ internally. People hear it, but reject it sometimes. Verse 26, or excuse me, yeah, verse 26, going on after this, the weeds are sown in, it says that, so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. So, as wheat grow, obviously they're going to bear grain, which could also be called bearing fruit. They're starting to grow and show that they're wheat. Um, And at this time, it also becomes evident that some of these aren't actually wheat. They're weeds. You can see that they're not starting to bear grain. So there's a chance that they could be, could be wheat, weeds. Um, but we have to remember still that you can't know for sure until right before the harvest when the heads are fully mature that you can see which is which. You can see that there's wheat and you can see there's weeds. But the wheat are beginning to bear grain. Bearing fruit is what, how the King James Version says it. It says that the wheat began to bear fruit. And we have to remember then that those who are saved by Christ ought to be bearing fruit, having evidence of their salvation. And what are some of the examples of that fruit? You can look at Galatians 5, and 23 that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. In all the book of 1 John is about fruit and bearing that fruit and having fellowship with Christ. One of those things, just to mention, is walking in the light, having fellowship with Christ, fleeing from sin and confessing sin and having forgiveness from that sin. Philippians 1.11, um, in Paul's prayer to the Philippians, is that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And these are all just examples of fruit. This isn't an exhaustive list, just some things that evidences of fruit of your salvation. And we know then that we need to be bearing fruit if we are truly saved. So now that there's weeds in, these, in the wheat and it's starting to become a bit evident, the servants are starting to ask questions. Look at verse 27. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? So the servants are confused. Like, we saw you sow good seed in the field, and they didn't see the enemy do it. They were asleep, it said earlier in the text. And they want to know how these weeds get here, because it's abundant, apparently, if it's evident that much already. There, and, I mean, that's a good question. It's like, how, do you, how does this happen? You are the master of this field, like God is the ruler of this world. How did this evil gut get into it? And in verse 28, the master answers, he said to them, an enemy has done this. Just, an enemy did it. You know, that's how it is. And we're going to have to deal with it. So the servants again ask, ask, then do you want us to go and gather them? <clears throat> Which is a valid question. Why don't we just now get rid of all evil, get rid of the sons of the evil one, and have this perfect kingdom now? I think that would be great, personally, if we could have the 
real kingdom here and now. But in verse 29, he answers that question. But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Remember that it's still hard to distinguish between weed and weed at this time. The heads aren't fully mature in some. Some of them may not be bearing fruit yet, but they're still wheat. And if you just go start tearing up everything that's not bearing fruit, you're going to tear up some wheat. Um, you, we can't just pick and choose between be, people based on maybe where they're at now. You know, just because you see someone, it's like, oh, he's not bearing fruit. You're, you're a wheat. Get out of here and go to hell. You can't do that. And if we did that now, we have the potential to harm believers. Some people aren't even believers yet, but they're going to come to know Christ. How can we now say, you're not a believer. You don't belong in the kingdom. Get out of here. Or even two people in the church who may be believers but are still growing before they bear fruit. We can't just say, you're not bearing fruit. Get out of here. You're not a believer. It's damaging to people. It just turns them away from the gospel when you say you don't belong here because you're not doing what I'm doing. Yeah, and 1 Corinthians 4, 5 attests to that as well. It says, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring light who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So just don't do that now. Don't judge between who you think belongs in the kingdom and who doesn't belong in the kingdom. But we also want to know, when will this happen? Evil is rampant, and we want this to end. We want perfection. We want God's glory everywhere with no evil. Look at verse 30. Let both grow until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So there will come a time when that happens. It's at the harvest. And if we want to know what the harvest is, all we have to do is look at verse 39 of this chapter. Um, It says that the harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. So at the close of the age, that's the second coming of Christ. When he returns... He's going to send out his reapers, who are angels, and they'll separate between the weeds and the wheat. And it says that the wheat will be gathered and bundled and burned, but the wheat will be gathered into his barn. So, at the second coming of Christ, when he returns, he's going to send out his angels, and he's going to sort between the righteous and the unrighteous. Those who don't have saving faith in Christ at that time will be cast into hell. That's what it says in verse, in verse. Um, if you look at 41 and 42, it, it says that the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So... There's going to come a time he's going to separate and unbelievers will be cast into a fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. They'll be cast into hell. You can see that again even in this chapter. Look at verses 47 through 50. It's a very parallel parable to this. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. 
So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he just affirms it again. There's going to come a time after the harvest is full, after the net is full, we're going to separate between the good and the bad, the righteous and the unrighteous. And they will be ca- the unrighteous will be cast into the fiery furnace, is what he calls it. And that's heavy. That's true. It's real. There is a hell, and it lasts as long as heaven, which is eternity, in case you didn't know. <clears throat> and remember that there's also those in the churches that who may not know Christ. So look back with me at Matthew 7. This is um, the end of his Sermon on the Mount. Earlier in the Gospel, he's teaching very clearly. He's not teaching in parables here. And at the end, looking at verses, verses 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Many who do outward deeds and look like they know what's going on, they look like believers, they have it apparently on the outside all figured out, but never truly know Christ will be cast out as well. You have to know Christ to enter into the kingdom in its full form. You have to know Christ if you won't be cast into hell. And it doesn't matter how much like wheat you look. You can be this weed that looks like it's so much but if you don't know Christ, you're cast into hell. So do you know him? Do you know Christ? Is he reigning in your heart? But there's also an upside to this. Remember in verse 30 it says, but gather the wheat into my barn. So he takes the wheat and he takes them out of the field. He takes them out of the world and puts them in his barn. He puts them in another place in the full reality of heaven and his kingdom. And in this barn, you're outside of, you're inside away from storms, away from all the hardship of the world, away from these evil suns, away from these weeds. And verse 43 of this chapter says, when we're in this barn, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So we get to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. That just sounds amazing to me. If you look at Daniel 12, 3, you don't have to go there now. But it says, talking about when Christ has his full kingdom and casts out all evil, about those who are believers, about those who are saved. He says, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Those who have faith in God and faith in his son for saving us from sin will shine in his glory forever. Forever. (laughs) That's just an amazing promise. So, finally, throughout all this parable, we have to remind ourselves who we are in this parable. We obviously aren't the man sowing good seed because that's Christ. 
It doesn't say we're the servants. It doesn't say the reapers. The reapers are the angels. But it says that the sons of the kingdom are the wheat. Guys, we have to remember, we're just wheat in this parable. Um, so, obviously, we can't go and gather the weeds. He said to his servants even, no. But to the wheat, what are we supposed to do besides grow and bear fruit? We need to remain faithful, preach the gospel, and serve the Lord in all things. Love others, love God, and shine Christ out in your life now. It's not for us to pass judgment in this regard about who should be in the kingdom and who should not. So, be wheat, bear fruit, grow in Christ. And if you're not wheat now, who says you can't be? Remember Ephesians 2, 3 says that before God worked in our lives, we were all children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We're all children of wrath. But Christ worked in our hearts to save us and made us wheat And that promise is open to anyone. So, if you're a wheat, remain faithful and serve the Lord. And if you're not, now is as good a time as any to put your faith in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word, for this awesome promise of the kingdom and how we get to shine like the sun in the glory of your of of you, God. God, I just pray for any here who may not be believers now. May they just come to know you. You are the source of salvation. You can work in their hearts, God, and I pray you do. For those of us that aren't, or those of us that do know you, I mean, may we just grow and bear fruit and remain faithful to you, serving you steadfastly and with all our heart, soul, and mind. Pray this in your Holy Son's name. Amen.